Welcome to the Public Safety Hour on WTMJ Now. Get to know what's facing public officials in Wisconsin and across the country. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's your expert, Annie Schwartz. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Yes, Public Safety Hour and Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, is in the building, in the house, in the studio, with a big heart on your chest, which is impressive. It is a big heart. It says, I, I love... Our public safety and first responders, Steve. That's what that we do. big heart means. And we're going to spend, as we spend most of the public safety hours, talking about a lot of some of the things that are happening in the world of public safety, right? Mm-hmm. Law enforcement, certainly the fire, the fire folks, EMS, dispatch, all of that. We've kind of covered the whole gamut of, of conversation already in the last few months, but we're going to expand on that throughout the year. And, and I'm always excited about this hour. One of the things that, and we have a guest today, but let, let's talk about the guest. We're going to tease him at 930. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, the uh, uh, Andy Wagner. Who yes, is head the, of the Milwaukee Police Association. President of the Milwaukee Police Association. But what Andy also is the um, is a is a former I say former because he's on leave while he's working with the association, a sensitive crimes uh, a detective. And he can really speak to the fact that, you know, we do a lot of complaining. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of people do in, in this business do a lot of complaining about Crime, crime numbers, public safety, and then they move on. But there is a deeper issue, and one of those deeper issues is the reduction in funding of some of the resources that help us prosecute the criminals that everybody's complaining about who are back on the street. You know, it's an easy thing to go back and say, hey, you know, you, the, this guy committed this crime because such and such a, you know, judge let him off. What was the evidence that was that was brought to court? What were we able to to do as far as getting a uh, getting evidence against this person? And these child advocacy centers, CACs, are what they're called. Mm-hmm. These are the places where these sensitive crimes uh, interviews are conducted by the police, children uh, with people who are victims of domestic violence. Uh, I lost my father to domestic violence, so I I know the. I, I know the animal. I know the the system is is tough. They make it tough uh, for you to you know to to get a get a prosecution. So I think that we're gonna people are gonna be interested to see that this is really the story behind the story. One of the things that we always do is we kind of go back and forth on what we want to talk about. And and you, and you shared a couple stories with me. Mm-hmm. And just the headlines are are concerning. Um, I'm gonna read the headlines and then we can, then we can comment. Threats to U.S. public servants are spiking. That's from the Attorney General. And this one is is a sad one. 378 officers, record-breaking number, by the mm-hmm. way, shot in the line of duty in 2023. I think that the, the – and the sub-headline to that story, Steve, is there's been a 60% increase. That's 6-0, not 16, uh, in officers shot since 2018. So what has been happening? What's the What's the thread there? In the last, oh, geez, here I am doing math again. What's the common thread in the last five years? What has happened? So I think that that's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting, that's going to be an interesting, um, I want to say interesting trend, but it's a horrible trend. Uh, I would argue it's, what happens it's, it's a reduction in the respect for the people that do those jobs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it's even in question. Mm-hmm. No, when, when you look at an opportunity to engage with a member of the public safety community and you look at it as, as, as an opportunity to argue, to fight, to flee, you're going to have some issues. And unfortunately, it's, it makes it more dangerous for both sides of this thing. 
but especially for the law enforcement folks who are coming into a situation, often they don't know your story. They don't know the circumstances other than what's already been presented to them by the, by the dispatchers. That's all they know. And they have to walk into these situ- situations. You and I talked about domestic violence before, walking into homes mm-hmm. where they don't, they don't know what the circumstances are. The Very most, dangerous. The most dangerous call. For law enforcement, right. I I think. I mean, we can ask Andy about that because he, he keeps all of the – he has all that, that great information. But when we're talking about the increase in, in officers being shot, uh, an increase in police deaths, um, 60 officers shot in the U.S., right, in 23, 20 of them were considered ambushes, were people that, you know, were lying in wait. There's some stories uh, in the last year or two where officers were shot in their in their squads when they, they didn't see it coming. No, uh, literally ambushed and killed for no reason. Mm-hmm. That's the part that's concerning to me. On the public servant side of this, that 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 threat risk is also really concerning because we've seen this as the the temperature in the room, like the political room, goes up. Lots of uh, barbs thrown back and forth. That sort of angers, in some cases, the the, the community out there and the, the larger U.S. community. And sometimes that leads to those individuals, for whatever reason, deciding to threaten the people that serve in office. But that's that's em- a risk. But what has emboldened them, Steve? I guess that to me is is something that is that is different. Um, you know, is it? Uh, you know, we're talking about since 2018. So the last benchmark event I can think of in law enforcement is, of course, May 25th of 2020, which was the George Floyd case. Right. But there have been others before that, right? There there was Ferguson, Missouri. There was Baltimore in the Freddie Gray uh, shooting. There has been uh, Laquan McDonald in, in Chicago. All of those very high-profile incidents and then seeing those uh, uh, you know, that galvanizes certain sections of the community to say, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to ask what you're doing. I'm not going to let you kill me. And that's the, the, the narrative that, that gets pushed often is if I don't, you know, I need to fight back against this police officer who's stopping me for whatever, because otherwise they're going to kill me. One of the things that's come out of George, the life post George Floyd is, is the idea of community policing, obviously. And, and we've heard a lot of talk about that. And you and I've talked about this extensively on the show, even with guests. In the layman's sense, community policing is supposed to mean that you are in Every neighborhood, you are having those conversations. You are engaging with the people that you serve. But is there something beyond that 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 maybe we're missing? Maybe we're not thinking about. I I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not an expert. I just I see this this topic and this term used so much, but but the um, the infrastructure underneath it. I don't know if it's it's there yet. I don't mm-hmm. know that we've done enough to make sure that that is we are on solid footing. Which makes everything, if you don't have a solid foundation, nothing really is going to be that substantial and is going to work. So that's my concern. I agree. And I think that, you know, I, I think that what, again, what, what, what George Floyd, what that case did, and there's a reason we keep mentioning it, is because that was the beginning of, hey, we can't trust the police and we can't trust the police because we saw it on video. I'm, I'm seeing a lot in where we are, we are showing the videos from some of these encounters and we're saying, Hey, let us, and the police are saying, Hey, let us explain this to you. Let's do the John Madden telestrator where we show you what's happening and we tell you what's happening. And I don't know if that's making things better. Um, I, know I think that- it's a gray area. I don't think we know because we've seen these things happen. We've seen these happen over and over again where, where we think we're going to get clarity and we actually get more confusion. Mm-hmm.
And that's the problem. She is Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. We'll take a break here. If you have a question or feedback, you want to throw it our way, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Public safety hour on WTMJ Now. Annie must have known that was coming because she was he was listening for that one. Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, joins us. The public safety hour on WTMJ, something we're very proud of here. I'm very proud of that we've been able to do this for as long as we have. We're going to continue on in the year ahead, and there's a lot of great things to talk about. I got calls and, and some great questions, but we wanted to touch on, I mentioned at the beginning, the threats on public servants. And you asked me during the break, my life was threatened when I was just a mayor. Mm-hmm. And it, serious threats. Matter of fact, one of the individuals that was eventually caught had a lot of ammunition, and that required extra protection for myself, my family, and it wasn't that a fun time. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And that, I, you know, I can point to a lot of things on why that is the the hyperpartisanship, certainly social media, the angst about politics in general have all sort of driven that. Uh, the other one that's really concerning, and we've seen this play out over and over again in really sad stories, threats. And violence against judges. Against judges. And the vi- have you seen that video uh, of the judge attacked by the uh, yes. by the guy? The guy I mean, flew over them. Flew over like there was a trampoline for him right in front yeah. of the, the judges uh, the judges uh, bench. So it's a it's a it's a it's a very high tension time in this country, and I and I, I often encourage uh, candidates and elected officials. I know you're passionate. Dial it down a bit. Talk about the this, the the important stuff. Don't. Don't get involved in the in the, the uh, in some of this extra noise. It just makes things more dangerous. You want to take a call? I think that would be a great idea. All right, Mike joins us from Illinois. Hey, Mike. <laughs> we'll get him, Mike. Yeah, I'm here. There he is. Okay, Mike. <laughs> morning, Mike. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good, good. What do you? What's your question? Good. First of all, I just like to say I really appreciate this segment. Uh, I think it's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you very much. But that that means everything to hear that people are are getting getting some information for what we chat about here. I appreciate that, Mike. What do you think when you see the videos? I, in my opinion, in general, and the majority of the time, it makes the cops look good and it shows the junk that they go through. I'm very happy they wear body cams. I'm very happy that people take videos. Obviously, George Floyd was an exception, but I truly believe the majority of the time these videos show what the cops have to go through and the uh, restraint that they show. I see videos where they give chance after chance after chance, and it's, it's beyond, I think, reasonable. And then, you know, they finally have to do something, and then, you know, you hear all these, you know, baseless claims against them. Thanks for the call, Mike. I, I, I agree with everything you just said. It, it, it's a chance for the officers. Before there was video, they just had to say what they sure. what they experienced. Now there's there at least some other information that provides a step-by-step, second-by-second analysis of what went down at these scenes. But that's the communications part, Steve. That's what law enforcement has to do. When when you see the Milwaukee police do these community reviews, you see sometimes other departments, uh, Kenosha Police Department, they brought out the body-worn camera from Applebee's and said, look at what you're looking at. People thought that, I think a lot of the public thought that the, and, and law enforcement, thought that when we got body cameras, we got body-worn, uh, that that was going to be a panacea, that everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, now I see. But you have to tell people, you have to go farther. You have to tell people what they're looking at. And and I, I think that, that, you know, especially at an age when everybody's got a cell phone, 
that they can hold up at a at a scene and take video, you must tell people what they're seeing. Yeah, that that's the problem with the you know the uh, the public journalists, the the folks who think they're journalists because they have a, a smartphone camera. The citizen journalists. Yeah, you're yeah. not you're not a, a journalist, and, and often you're you're very biased in, in how you you want to present the video that you did shoot. I, I just look. I'm a big fan of of communication. You, you look at no farther than what I do for a living. I, I think it's important that law enforcement, public safety, does the best job possible to explain the difficult work that happens every day in public safety. I just think that's that's the key. You you've said it over and over again, and that's why you do what you do. This this piece, this communication piece, is critical. So moving past George Floyd, not forgetting, but moving past that to an era where community policing actually means something. That's my opinion. And that, and, and what I do for a living is, is help law enforcement or help public safety. So it's not just law enforcement. Sometimes it's the fire department. Sure. Sometimes it's EMS. Uh, sometimes it's a municipality that's got something going on. It, it, it's incumbent upon them. To teach the public, educate, I, I'm not going to say teach, to educate the public about what they do. And it's not always just showing a video. You know what I see when I look at the video that was uh, was shown where um, Milwaukee police officer Dan Morrell was shot uh, last week? Right. What I see when I look at that video is incredible restraint. I see a lot of guns. I see a lot of tactical officers. I see a negotiator standing out there. I see a lot of restraint. And I don't think the public sees it that way. That's the other piece of it. Video says one thing, but the the words that go with the video, the explanation is probably just as important. Kathy from Racine has a comment. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the information you guys are sharing today. Um my original comment, I'm just going to put on hold, but if people out there in their towns, cities, villages, if they contact the police department, they can actually maybe take a class as a citizen's academy. Yes. You know, and, and that's so much, so much valuable information. But uh, my original comment was is that I have a former law enforcement friend in Texas, and she actually texted me over the holidays, and there's, if you Google the fall of Minneapolis, oh, they finally re- just yep, watched that. They finally that, released yeah. all the footage, and so there you go. I'll let you go with that. But thank you so much. I appreciate. Oh, what you're, you're welcome, Kathy. Yeah, thank, thanks, Kathy. So you've oh, seen. I have yeah, not seen it. What, what does it show you? I'm so glad that she brought that up because that's out there. That's available. Maybe we can. I don't think there's a reason that we can't put the link on on. Uh, sure, on, I can on put your, it on my social media, on your yeah. social media yeah. because it's an amazing it's an amazing piece. Um, I'm gonna. I'm pulling it up on my on my phone so I can tell you what the right the the exact thing that it's called uh, because it, it's it really is one of the most um, powerful things that I've that I've seen. One of the things that that I took away from all of the the George Floyd stuff. Obviously, officers are in prison now for what they did, mm-hmm. right? And should be. Yes. And should be fairly should and should be. But what happened after that? The response of a community. Is something we should also pay attention to. The the documentary she's talking about is the fall of Minneapolis. Uh, you can find it on. It's actually called thefallofminneapolis.com. And what they do, it's a it's a crowdfunded documentary. The the people that made this film crowdfunded it. Um, and everybody they, chipped in. Everybody chipped in. There is. Uh, they've got a whole. Uh, they've got a whole. 
a piece on there about the references, the research. So if you're one of those people who says, ah, I want to see what the research is, they, they do that for you. Um, and it is, uh, it's, it's a pretty, they interviewed dozens of officers, witnesses, and experts, uh, who were there during the, the riots and the aftermath, uh, following the arrest and death of George Floyd. And it is probably one of the most comprehensive, uh, pieces I've seen. Uh, they did years of research. This wasn't just a, a couple of guys that, you know, that made a film. So I can't recommend that one. I'm, I'm, I was remiss for not remembering to bring it up. A number of police chiefs have sent me this link and, and said, Annie, you got to see this. All right. So you've seen it. I, Annie will send me the link. I will watch it and I will share it on my social media. So you can also find it there. And we'll try to see if we can get it up on our WTMG.com as well. All right. After the break, the president of the Milwaukee Police Association, Andrew Wagner, will join us. That's next on the Public Safety Hour. You're listening to Public Safety Hour on WTMJ. I am Steve Scavitti, Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. And every week we kind of, we try to have a guest every week. We don't always succeed, but we try to bring in important issues that we're going to be we're talking about in the weeks and months ahead, and, and certainly this is going to be one of them. Uh, on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is the president of the Milwaukee Police Association, Andrew Wagner, who joins us on the phone. Hi, Andrew. Hi, how are you doing? Good morning, Andy. Thank you for, for coming on this morning. We've got to start with a, a very important piece. Uh, saw your uh, smiling snow-covered face yesterday on the news uh, while uh, you uh, you were all standing at the at Freighter for the walkout for Dan Morrell. Uh, that's the officer that was shot uh, last week. Um, he's he's recovering, and maybe you can just give a, give us a little update. Tell us how he's doing, and maybe you could tell us about the walkout. I, I've seen that done in in New York City and some other places, but would love to hear to hear you chat about that. Sure. We um, <clears throat> so Dan Morrell, he's uh, in good spirits. We know that he has a a long road to recovery, um, but I have no doubt um, he has been a guy that has persevered through through things before. And him and his wife together, um, I think, will get him through this again. And um, we just we pray for his uh, his recovery and and hope him best. Um, just one of the best guys, and him and his wife are both some of the best people I've ever met. Oh. Um, he'd give the guy, he'd, he'd give you the shirt off his back, and and be there to back you up whenever you needed. And he'd also be there if you need to talk to him. And, and he has a sense of humor like no other that would just cheer you up. So um, we're all pulling for him for to have a full recovery. Oh, absolutely! And so many people who who listen to this uh, to listen to this program, um, Andy, are are feeling the same way. Um, before we move on to our to our uh, discussion discussion about the child advocacy centers i just wanted to to mention something you just said you just mentioned that the that he has a long road of recovery to him uh, in front of him we forget that about officers who are injured in the line of duty don't we right i mean i mean today's news story seems to go you know at a time of news news spans it goes away quickly but these officers are still dealing with their injuries years later i mean we have uh, the last two officers that had been um, shot and injured in Milwaukee um, still have not uh, returned to work yet. Um, they're still struggling through those injuries and the, and the mental harm that that does them. Um, and they're trying to recover to uh, to get back to full duty, but they haven't been able to accomplish that yet. Um, it's it's longer than longer than the news cycle to order recover, and these injuries continue uh, not both physically but mentally for a, for a very very long time. Annie and I have talked a lot over the last year and a half, two years, about funding, uh, whether that's for officers, resources. And in the case of something you're actively working uh, on, it's funding for victim services, domestic abuse services, 
um, child advocacy centers, which I really would like to go into detail on because I think a lot of people don't realize how important that is. First of all, talk about that effort and give us the specifics of what you're looking to, to try to do. Right. So, so happening now, right now, the VOCA funding, it's the Federal Victims of Crime Act. Um, that used to be funded through the federal government. And what would happen is through prosecutions, these defendants would pay a fine that would go into the, the VOCA funding and would fund these programs like domestic violence shelters, um, child advocacy center, things like that. Um, but with the with the drop and the deferred prosecution of these federal crimes, they saw a 40% drop in funding from these from these efforts. Um, that would mean a reduction um, from I think they cut of 52 out of the 130 35 currently current programs out there in the state of Wisconsin that would have to be cut. Wow. <clears throat> One of those, some of those areas are the child advocacy centers. Um, those child advocacy centers. I worked at sensitive crimes for probably 10 years in, in child sexual assaults and adult um, sexual assaults along with child abuse and things like that. But really, when we're looking at victims of crimes of an age that are from you know zero all the way up to 12 years old, those interviews have to take place um, differently than you would that you would interview an adult. Um, there's always you have to be specially trained to do those interviews, and, and you have to ask questions in a certain way so you're not leading these children um, into their answers. Well, there's um, there's these, several there's several bills working their way through the Wisconsin legislature, correct? Correct. There's, I think they're looking for co-sponsorships right now. There's some bills that are going out there by Senator Jesse James and Melissa Agard, um, and then Representatives Pat Snyder and Sue Conley, who have uh, who have written these bills, and they're looking for co-sponsorship right now on those. You might know, Andy. A lot of people are spending. Uh, people in the community are spending a lot of time talking about, uh, you know, crime numbers. Crime is up. Crime is up. Nobody's paying the con- is, is paying the consequences. Having the 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 these child advocacy centers helps us get more su- successful prosecutions, doesn't it? You were talking about that before when you talked about the specific way that you have to interview children and 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 victims of uh, of sexual abuse. For sure, these these child advocacy centers not only are placed for a safe place for these children to be interviewed um, in an environment that's not a police station, but they're also a place where these children get medical exams, and we have expert doctors there that can give us evidence in order to keep you know keep uh, the prosecution. Um, so these doctors are experts in uh, injuries of child abuse, injuries of sexual assault, and then they can go and testify in court for us. Not a lot of, I mean, everybody thinks that a doctor is an expert in everything, but these doctors are, are specifically certified to deal with children and then look for evidence um, in a physical manner on these children so we can prosecute uh, sex offenders and child abuse people. We're talking to Andrew Wagner. He's the uh, president of the Milwaukee Police Association, talking about some of his efforts on behalf of a, a bill working its way through the legislature to help fund some of these things that are, are certainly important. Annie and I were talking uh, before you came on about uh, the the issue of, of domestic violence, domestic abuse, and how dangerous it is for law enforcement. As somebody who works side-by-side side with these individuals who do that great work every day, that is one of the riskiest calls they can make, right? It is correct. And um, back when I was teaching dynamics of domestic violence a few years ago, um, we had a PowerPoint, and we would show all the officers that had died in the line of duty in relationship to domestic violence calls. Um, and at that time, um, about five years ago, it was the most dangerous call in the country to respond to seconded by traffic stops. Um, so the volatility of 
excuse me, of domestic violence in the home, if, if a person's willing to do create violence to a loved one or a family member or a child, they're going to have no qualm about creating violence to a police officer or someone that happens to step into that home. Wow. Andy, you know, I know you have the the experience in in this area, right? You you teach it. Can you can you think of what do you think are some of the what do you think the public doesn't understand about these kinds of crimes and the investigations that go along with them? Because it shouldn't be this hard to to get a bill passed that supports child advocacy centers. So what do you think the public doesn't understand? What do you what do you think we can do to help educate? Well, I think I think these types of crimes, with with especially with children and then domestic violence, they're all interfamily related. And we, when we I think to put it, you know, it's, when we think about our families, we all love them. I mean, we all we love our mom, we love our dad, we and our husbands, our wives, and we're going to have good days and bad days with each of them. Um, the problem is the cycle of violence that continues inside of an abuser's home is a play on that love, in order to keep abusing them. Um, and so these are really different types of crimes that we have to really dig into family dynamics and have to have an understanding that, you know, maybe um, the wife of a, or, the, or the wife against the abuser won't be cooperative all the time. So we have to build up evidence to put that person in jail so that wife gets a break in order to get out of that violence relationship. Um, the same thing with uh, children that are reporting sexual assault crimes, sometimes against their own family members like fathers and, and brothers and things like that. There's pressure in those situations to recant or not report later on. Um, so there's there's obstacles that we have to collect evidence in those cases to make sure that we can build a case um, maybe going forward where maybe the they don't want to, a year later when this goes to trial, where they still feel comfortable um, prosecuting these people. Andrew Wagner joining us. If we can, if we can get you to hold on through the break, there's a, there's a couple stories that Anna and I were talking about earlier in the show. One of them is the threat against police officers. I wanted to ask you about the, why that trend seems to be getting worse. Our guest, Andrew Wagner, president of the Milwaukee Police Association. You're listening to Public Safety Hour with Andy Schwartz on WTMJ. Public Safety Hour with Andy Schwartz. Iris jig is that an Iris jig? Is that what that is? I don't know what that is. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things that, that that you know happens right before you get in the massage room to get like the, <laughs> yeah, the massage right. to, to, to calm you down. Andrew Wagner is our guest this half hour on the Public Safety Hour on WTMJ. And Andrew, before the break, he's he's the uh, president of the Milwaukee Police Association. If you didn't hear me say that before, one of the things that Annie and I talked about earlier in the program is it's a sad number, record breaking: three hundred seventy eight officers shot in the line of duty in twenty twenty three. On its face, that that stuns me. But two, why, what do we attribute that number to from your perspective? I mean, I think we attribute it to you know society with uh, or these criminals that have seen no consequences for for a few years. Um, I mean, no one wakes up and says, "I'm going to go." you know, commit a homicide. I don't know some people might, but they don't wake up and say, "I'm going to go commit a homicide today." Most time, these criminals are working up to a point where they're their behavior is getting progressively worse and worse and worse and worse. And I think what we've seen um, from 2018 when we've seen this defund movement and this lack of disrespect for police officers and any kind of authority, I mean, we're not talking just police officers, but school teachers and, and other people in the in the position of authorities where there's no consequences when these children or, or adults who are committing crimes are, um, you know, maybe fighting with the police or maybe... Um, 
resisting, obstructing an officer, and they, they just get let go and let go and let go. Um, well, they just keep ramping it up because if they didn't get a consequence then, then uh, there won't be consequences now. And then <clears throat> I think it turns into, well, they're so bold and now they're going to they're going to start shooting at police. Um, and so that's my that's kind of my thoughts on I think why we're seeing these record numbers. I'm I'm hopeful that we're seeing this pendulum swing back towards uh, a more pro- police um, positive theory in the news. And I think what we've seen all along though is that the community has always had our back. Um, we've done multiple surveys where we've seen the communities come out and say we support the police even during the defund era of 75 percent 80 percent of them thinking that the, the police are there to support and they like what they've seen um, but we both the negative news stories is um, i think propaganda some of these criminals to be emboldened yeah Andy, one of the things you mentioned, uh, a a couple of words you mentioned is you talked about consequences or no consequences. And and I think it's it it really does fold into what we're talking about today, because when we talk about supporting the police, I don't know if people always know what that means. In, In the case of our conversation today, we can talk about supporting the police by supporting the tools that help us get these convictions and kind of takes us back to the the funding of things like the the legislation that helps make it I don't want to say easier but but helps us get those prosecutions right right I mean the police are just are just one cog in the wheel of the criminal justice system without without a solid you know district attorney's office and without a solid judiciary system where they're where they're actually punishing these people and putting them in jail well the police can just arrest and arrest and arrest but if unless you're taking that criminal and removing them for society for a while and actually demonstrating that there's consequences to their action, the, the police are only, only, only good so far. Andrew Wagner joining us on WTMJ. He's the president of the Milwaukee Police Association. When you when you think about your daily work and the efforts you've talked about your your advocacy for legislation that can help it, one of the things that I've talked about a lot on my show is the funding part. More officers on the streets, more resources to do their jobs. More even even when you're talking about the detention and in in the prisons in the state of Wisconsin, these things are all connected. How do we get out of this this world of silos where everybody's doing their own thing, thinking they're doing the right way, and actually work better together across all those different silos? I think um, I think everybody's got to be properly staffed too, um, and I think communication between all three. You know, between the police district attorney's office and the judicial system, along with the you know the defense side of things, um, all those things have to be you know kind of communicated. Everybody's got to be on the same page that, hey, look, if the police are going to make these arrests over and over again, and you're going to put out warrants for their arrest, at least um, on their on their second chance of being brought in for a warrant, at least give them some jail time or something. So there's there's a disconnect I think between the police that are enforcing the laws and the people that are uh, sometimes supposed to be. Um, protecting society from these criminals of, of not um, giving them the jail time that they deserve. Some of the, the conversations I had with public safety folks, law enforcement specifically over the last you know four or five years has said exactly that. You see the same names, the same faces, constantly reoffending with no consequences. And, you know, I understand that there's limited resources in places to put people, but if that's the issue, I think most taxpayers, most residents and uh, of the state of Wisconsin or any state, wherever you're at listening today, would say, you know what, that's something I would pay for. The fact that we don't have these constant repeat offenders who are doing the same dangerous things. Because You're an expert, I'm not. But I would think that if somebody just escalates their criminal activity over and over again with no consequences, at some point it does get worse. Right. And I think um, I think there's there's 
the police department did a study years ago where they said like it was ten percent of of criminals commit about ninety percent of crimes mm-hmm. inside the city. Um, and looking at the number, so if we can just focus on that ten percent, right, and get rid of that ten percent, we can reduce crime rates by ninety. That was kind of the theory behind that because that is how much these people are are keep going at and they keep committing crimes over and over again without consequences. Is Andrew Wagner. Uh, I want to thank, say thanks uh, from Annie and myself for t- taking the time to come out today, and, and uh, we will certainly look for that legislation. I will talk about it in my program to help fund some of these things that are so necessary, especially the child advocacy centers and funding in general for law enforcement and public safety. That That is always something I think the public should pay attention to. Thank you so much, Andy, for, for coming on. You know, I, I, people I'm sure are familiar with you because they see you on, you know, on the news and, and you get that, you know, that, 30 seconds maybe if you're lucky, but probably 15 seconds. I'm so glad that you had a chance to come on here this morning and really talk with us a, a little bit. Your insights are, are invaluable and the work that the MPA is doing to make sure that officers have the tools that they need so that we don't have to say, why was this person out on the street uh, is, is invaluable. So I thank you for that. No problem. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, thanks again. Andrew Wagner, the president of the Milwaukee Police Association. We'll take another quick break here. We have a caller who is a former police officer wants to add his comments as well. We'll do that after the break on WTMJ. Public Safety Hour on WTMJ. Andy Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. Yours truly. And uh, the caller has been very patient, so I want to get him on the line. Bill is calling from Manitowoc. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Good morning, Annie and Steve. I'm going to throw a rock into the game. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, with all the homicides of police officers uh, countrywide or Milwaukee, whatever, the only solving a little bit of it, not all, obviously, is uh, the subject gets his attorney or two and goes to trial, the trial lasts no longer than one year because the guilty verdict is capital punishment. So you're saying death penalty yeah, for those yeah. for someone who shoots or kills a police officer? Yeah. Federal charges or state charges, whatever. The idea is, you know, Steve, the, you get uh, on a way too many. Anybody that's sent up now, no matter what, if it's a homicide on something, if they end up getting 75 years in prison, okay, if they're 20 years old, they might live to 95. But the idea is you're, you're going to have the state or the federals pay probably $2 million to keep anybody in over 50 years. Yeah, I think more than that. I appreciate your call, Bill, and I, I appreciate your patience for calling. I, I, I'll ask you, Annie. Do you think that would be a and the word is deterrence mm-hmm. um, to slow this ever increasing rate of people that are killing police officers, public safety professionals in the line of duty? You know, I I keep thinking about a, a comedian. I really do know where I'm going, Steve. <laughs> um, Ron White, who I just think is sure. one of like the five funniest people in the, the whole world. The drinking comedian. The drinking comedian. And he gets up there and he's, he's talking about Texas and the death penalty. And he said, you know, not only do we have the death penalty, but we put in an express line. Because in Texas, they know that if you kill us, we're going to kill you back. Well, I, I think that that's a, that's a good line for, I suppose, for a, a comedian and for social conversation. 
I don't think the death penalty is a deterrent. And I could be, you know, I am no expert on this. Please have somebody on that, that can speak with great authority. I'm just somebody who's worked in law enforcement for the majority of, of her career. And I, I think with the number of appeals people get, with the number of, uh, with the way that the system moves or doesn't move, I don't see it as a, a, a as a deterrent. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have it because I think it gives people a chance to take a stand sure. on how serious they feel that it's it an is honest when, answer. when I, you shoot at a police officer. Yeah, I, I want as strict as consequences as possible. That's my answer. Um, we only have about a minute left, but I wanted to mention this. John Chisholm, district mm-hmm. attorney, Milwaukee County, is retiring. We've only had two in like the last, what, 40-some yeah, years? Yeah, Mike McCann, John Chisholm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see that story going? Because a lot of what we just talked about, what's that last part with Andrew Wagner was mm-hmm. consequences, right? Absolutely. And I think that's going to be that that's going to be at the center of this race, depending on who is going to uh, run for that seat. I know that uh, Kent Lovern, uh, deputy DA, is running been for there, been in that office for a while, 17 years. Right. He has been there and he is, uh, you know, he feels very passionately about the about the fact that, you know, consequences. And I think that's going to be the uh, I think that's going to be it. There have been a number of names floating around uh, by different people who, you know, who say this one should run, that one should run. But until they declare, I don't want to throw anybody's name out there and, you know, force them. Although I am amused by the effort to try and recruit uh, our friend Jeff Wagner to run (laughs) for TA. I don't think he wants that. I don't think Jeff wants that. Although it would certainly let him put into into, uh, his principles into play. Absolutely. Maybe we'll ask him about that. Annie Schwartz, we've got to wrap it up there. Always enjoy the Public Safety Hour. You'll be back next Wednesday. The Public Safety Hour, Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert,